So if you have your copy of God's Word or your, um, your, your tablet or your phone, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And Daniel, uh, just a little background, uh, Daniel was a prophet, but be- before he became a prophet, he was a Jewish young boy that was exiled to the kingdom of Babylon. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this evil king, was, um, was really not making it easy for these Hebrew boys uh, to follow in, um, in Jewish culture and, and by God's law. And so just like our culture today, our culture today makes it more difficult uh, for us to live uh, with conviction and uh, without being compromised in, in our culture. And it just seems like our culture is pulling at us from many different directions. And we're like, well, I, I know I'm supposed to walk this way. I know I'm supposed to walk in the wisdom and, and, and walk in the fear of the Lord. But it just seems like I get pulled and pulled and pulled many different directions. And that's basically what we find Daniel uh, doing. And so the theme of Daniel is uh, t- uh, he lived with conviction in a culture of compromise. What is compromise? Well, a definition of compromise, it's, it's accepting standards that are lower than is desirable. So accepting standards that are lower than is desirable. And so week one, we talked about how Daniel resolved not to defile himself, not to defile himself, not to defile his purity. And so imagine if we lived our life with that resolve not to defile ourselves, our life, our minds, our heart, our family, our home, if we live with resolve not to defile, imagine where our life would be. Imagine the things that, that we would be able to do and imagine what God would be able to do through us. So he showed us uh, how, to, um, how to do that in, in uh, week one. And then week two, last week, we talked about the interpretation of turmoil. We all have turmoil in our lives, but it's how you respond to that turmoil. Now, I'm not talking about tragedy. Tragedy is a, a, a bigger issue, but just turmoil, like losing your job, you know, uh, th- those kinds of things, a, a breakup, whatever it is, there's turmoil in your life, and it's how you respond and how you interpret that turmoil. That turmoil in, the, in your life could be something where it's such in your face like a 3D IMAX screen, and all you can see is a turmoil. So what, what Daniel showed us last week is that he was able to step back and really interpret. He wasn't worried about interpreting the dream. God was going to give him that. Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But what he was interpreting is he was interpreting the situation. Why is this really happening? You lose your job? Rather than like, oh, freaking out, I lost my job, what am I gonna do? It's all you're thinking about. Well, have you ever thought about, here's an interpretation, maybe God doesn't want you working there anymore. Or you had a bad breakup. Oh, he was the one, or she was the one. It's a bad breakup and it's the only thing you can think about. Evidently, they weren't the one, and, and, and God doesn't, didn't want that, that punk in your life, right? So, so whatever it is, don't, don't just focus on the turmoil, but look at the interpretation of the turmoil of what's really happening in your life, and stop freaking out about those things. God is in control. So we talked about that in week uh, two. So this week, we're going to talk about how not to bow our hearts to things that are not good to us. So how not to bow our hearts to things that are not good for us. Then so 
but we're going to look at not really Daniel, but we're going to look at three of his friends in today's passage. We're going to look at three of his friends and not Daniel. And say, well, Frank, I thought this, thought this series was about Daniel. I want to learn, know more about Daniel. Let me tell you something. You want to know about Daniel? Look at his friends. You want to know about yourself? Look at your friends. A great leader once said, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And so you can tell a lot about a person by their friends, can't you? Students, look up here. We can tell a lot about where you're at by the people you're hanging around. Okay? Bennett, kids? All right. <laughs> so we, um, but we could tell a lot about Daniel by his friends. And the friends we're talking about today is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these are three guys that were exiled with, with Daniel. We're going to focus on, um, on that. But Daniel's faith was strong because, not only because of his God and his devotion to God, but Daniel's faith was strong because his friends, he surrounded himself with some great, solid guys. And so um, in, this, in this message today, we're going to uh, find out how we keep our faith strong. We must not compromise by bowing down to lower standards. We must not bow down to some of those lower standards. You know, it just seems like there, that there's lots of things in this world that we're bowing down to, that we're, we're sort of worshiping. There's lots of distractions in our life that, that can easily take us away from what God is trying to show us, what God is trying to speak to us. And it just seems like with all the distractions that we're so focused on that God is saying, hey, I'm here. Just be still. Be quiet. Stop, stop focusing on these distractions and just focus on me. Just take time, pause, time out. I'm here. I've got things I want to show you in my word. I've got things I want to show you as I speak to your heart and your life as you pray. I've got things I want to tell you. So that's what God is doing. He's saying, look, don't bow down to these things in your life and your distractions. And so we bow down to things um, easily in, uh, in our life. And, you know, one example, you know, there's, there's something in our life that, that is so easy to, to sort of bow down to. There's something in our life that um, this, this thing, this sort of, uh, this sort of I'm going to call it an idol because it could very well easily be an idol. This thing in our life is something that is, uh, we, we see people get caught up into this all the time. Even we get caught up in it, and it's so easy. And this, this particular idol, potential idol in our life, is something that is a major distraction. And in fact, we really like it. In fact, we actually turn to this thing almost the very first thing we get up. This is almost the very first thing we do. In fact, if this thing was, was by the Bible, God's word, you reach for this many times rather than God's word, and you literally bow your head and look at it. 
can this become an idol? Absolutely. Now you say, Frank, you have a phone. I'm not supposed to have a phone? Of course, it's okay to have a phone, but this can become an idol. Y'all, I'm preaching to me. Okay? I mean, we're all sharing here, our hearts here. But this right here can become an idol. Um, there's a, um, an online app. Suzanne uses it quite a bit. It's called The First Five. So about the first five minutes. In, and, and there's an app that you can get, and you can just look at it. And it's all about, look, let this be your first five. You know, in God's word. God's word. Let this be your first five. Even though you're picking up the phone, you're actually looking at it, and it is an app, but let that be God's word rather than other things that could be on your phone. And could this be used for good? Absolutely. There's some of you who are using it right now with God's word, and it's awesome. But it can also be an idol. I mean, you, if, if you want to have an experiment, just put your phone away, and just when you're out in the community or wherever you're at, in a doctor's office or whatever, and or at a stoplight, <laughs> heads are bowed, right? I mean, it's amazing, and nobody's talking to one another. And I find myself as well. It's like standing around, and you're just like waiting, and it's like, all right, I'm just going to do something, you know? But if you put this away, and you're like, wow, it's, it's really kind of become almost an idol in our culture how we use that. Now, that's just one example, y'all. I'm just using a, a very practical example. I'm not telling you to throw your phone away. No, but if you want to give it away, I know some people you can give that away too. So, but the smartphone is, is not, the smartphone itself is not an idol, it's how you can use it. But there's many different examples on how, of, of idols we can have in our lives, um, and you could probably uh, pick out some. What are some things in your life you just really can't live without? Like, for instance, go back to the phone. If you can't live without your phone for three days, there's some issues. There's some issues. If your phone is the first thing you pick up every day and you're looking at, uh, at you know, other things besides trying to get into God's word, then, then maybe there's a problem. Maybe it's, it's an idol. Whatever social media or news or whatever, email, it has become an idol. So how did Daniel avoid idol worship? How did Daniel and his friends avoid idol worship? Well, let's, let's do a little bit of background. So King Nebuchadnezzar, after uh, Daniel and, and the boys and, and, and other Jewish young men were with them, but the Bible clearly points out Daniel and these three guys, as they were in, in uh, wise men training school and they graduated, and then last week, last week we were talking about how Daniel was sort of elevated above the wise men because he not only interpreted the, the king's dream, but he actually told him what he dreamt about. That's amazing. God gave him that revelation. And so uh, these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were put over certain providences of um, the, the kingdom of Babylon. And so one day, King Nebuchadnezzar said, you know, I'm going to make an idol. I'm going to make an idol. It was like 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. It's a, it's a big idol. And so, um, and actually, if you, if you do a study on this, the previous chapter two, we said it last week, 
Um, if you look at that dream, it's basically the idol from the dream. So do a little bit of study on that, a little side note. But this, this idol that he, uh, that he built, he said, okay, anytime when you hear the Babylonian band play, you are to bow down. So he made this decree. And, uh, and so he, he called the, uh, all the leaders together and, and told them, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to go down. When you hear the band play, we bow. And so word got out that, that the, uh, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did not bow. And so what happened is they were brought to King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was questioning them. He said, hey, why did you bow? I gave this decree. And in fact, I even said, if you don't bow, I've got a, a furnace that's hot and ready, almost like Krispy Kreme, hot and ready, okay? And so I've got this, this fire that's hot and ready, and I'm going to throw you in there if you don't bow. So I'm going to give you, and this is important, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to give you another chance. Ready, band? Ready, band? Okay, one, two, ready. What do they say? How do they respond? How do they respond to the king? It's right there in verse 16. Verse 16, chapter three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us. He said, they said that twice. He is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, even if he chooses not to, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, these are still young men. You say that to the king, I mean, they knew they'd just written their, their death sentence by that comment. And so King Nebuchadnezzar threw him in the, in the furnace, and, you know, we, I encourage you to read this chapter. It's great, especially for the kids, and especially teenagers, when, when it's really, when the pressure's really hot and the heat is on them, how they stand, but what, what, I, what I want to get to today is how are we to take this? Like, what, what does this have to do with me, Frank? Why does this matter to me? I mean, there's no idols that I'm about to bow down, and I'm not going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Make this real to me. How can I apply this to my life? How can I live a life of conviction in a culture of compromise when other people are worshiping things. Sports, athletes, entertainment figures. We talked about phone, work. You know, we, there's many things that we can worship. So what is the, what is the thing we learn from them? This is, this is a simple thing I want you to share with you today. Don't accept second chances. Don't accept second chances. Let me tell you something. You're going to have, you're almost guaranteed to have a first chance. Don't accept a second chance. Give me an example. I've used this example before. I'm a guy, 
okay? And obviously, you know, as, as, a, as a male, there's, uh, there's things, I'm wired to, you know, look at certain things and enjoy certain things. And so if I'm walking from one location to the next, and if a, an attractive female walks in front of me, okay, and just deliberately whatever, and, I, and it's in my eyesight, the second look is where the problem lies. Isn't it, guys? You don't have to nod your head, just, <laughs> I get it. Hmm. It's the second look. It's this. Let me, let me show you. You're walking along. You go this way, and what do you do? Boom. Don't accept the second chance. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not give the king a second chance. He gave them. He was going to give them a second chance. But the band never played. One, two, right? No, no, no. Hold on a second, King. Hold on. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're, we're, we're not going to bow. So don't even give us that opportunity. So how do you live with conviction in a world of, in a culture of compromise? You don't accept the second chance. Here are some second chance temptations. Here's some, the biggest temptations are in the second chances. Let me say that again. The biggest temptations are in the second chances. Here's some second chance uh, temptations you you will say in your mind. I will bow down, but not actually worship the idol. That's like saying, you know, I'll take a smoke, but I won't inhale. <laughs> or I'll just hold the bottle in my hand, but, but I'm not going to drink. Or, you know, I'm listening to the music, but I'm not really listening to the words. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. Here's another one. Um, I will bow this one time, then ask God forgiveness. <laughs> grace. We love grace. Grace is awesome. Oh, God will forgive. Let me tell you something. If you're living, living deliberately, intentionally planning things in your life just to, to accept God's grace, let me tell you something. That is a very dangerous place to live. That is a very dangerous place to live. That's between you and God. But I'm just saying that's a dangerous place to live because God loves you and because he loves you, he will correct you. And God's correction sometimes doesn't feel too good. He didn't do it out of meanness. He does it out of love. He's like, gosh, I wish, okay, I'm just gonna have to, I'm gonna have to help this one out. He does that. I've experienced God's correctness in my life. And it's, it doesn't feel good. So don't think that just, yeah, God's, God's grace is there, absolutely. You can never outuse God's grace. It's infinite. But don't intentionally plan things because of God's grace. Uh, here's another one. Oh, this is a foreign land. This is a foreign land. I could, we could do whatever we want. You know, we're not even in Jerusalem. We're out here. So, you know, may, you know God's glory is in Jerusalem. You know, the temple and the ark and everything. So, so maybe he, he, he's not really here. 
so we're in Babylon, so maybe I could just, we could just bow. Okay, king, strike up the band, second chance. I, I feel the heat, it's right here, the fiery furnace. I get that. So I really don't wanna go in there, so I'm gonna bow. Oh, I'm away at college. I'm away from home. I'm away from home. I'm kind of separated from my church and stuff. I, I could just kind of do whatever I want. I'll just kind of bow to some things that I really like doing. Or students, you could be at a friend's house. Well, I'm not, I'm not really at mom and dad's house, and, and they have their rules. And, you know, my friend's house, they kind of have some different kind of rules, barely. You know, so I'm going to have to, you know, kind of go along with it. You know, I'm not really home. I mean, my home rules don't really apply over here because it's different, you know, because that's, those are the kinds of things. And the last one is, oh, everybody's doing it. <laughs> no, they're not. A lot of people are, yeah. So don't let those second chance temptations, what are some, what are some second chance solutions? Uh, what are some second chance solutions? So beware of the, here's one, beware of the patterns in your life, when you're, when you're surrounded by people and you got some friends and, and they're trying to uh, influence you, and I'm not talking about the students, adults, I'm talking to you as well. You've got people in your life who are influencing you, who are getting you to, to sort of bow down to some things that you know that you shouldn't be doing. Watch for the patterns. Watch for the patterns of when it's happening. That's what, that's what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, this, this idol, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, that didn't go up overnight. That was a pretty good construction. And so as they were building that every day, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, hmm, that's interesting. What did they, I wonder what they're building. I wonder what they're building there. And, and the next day, next week, a month goes by, two months goes by, and they can see it, and they're saying, I see a pattern here. These men, these workers are going over here, and they're building this thing that gets higher and higher, and it's starting to look kind of like a man-made idol. Watch for the patterns in your life. Students, you have friends that are, are slowly but surely introducing you to small little nuggets that are contrary to God's word. And contrary to how your parents want you to want you raised, watch that pattern. Watch that pattern. Adults, watch the pattern. There are people that you work with, the people that you hang out with. Watch the pattern. Pick up on the pattern and know this: that pattern is gonna lead to something that is gonna tempt you to bow your heart and your life too. Uh, the second thing we could do, second solution. So beware of the pattern. Next thing is let God defend you. Let God defend you. Blame it on God. Blame it on God. God's, God's big enough for that. Oh man, I, I, can't, I can't really go, you know, this Sunday, you know, because, uh, you know, God wants me to go to church. <laughs> you know, or, you know, obviously you wanna go to church, but, but you know, blame it on God or you know, and you're in a situation, it's like, you know, um, I, I'm not really, I don't really feel comfortable with that. I don't feel we're comfortable with that because, because I'm supposed to be following what God says. Parents, if, if you're, or adults, if you're, 
on, on a trip somewhere with some other coworkers or whatever. It's, it's easy. You're away from home and you have, you have opportunities and you can simply just blame it on God and say, you know what? Um, the God I serve doesn't want me to do that. God I serve doesn't. You do not have to have, sound all righteous and everything. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. I tell people all the time, look, I, I, know there's some, I know there's some controversial things in here, especially with our culture. I mean, our culture is fighting what's in this book. And I'll tell people all the time, look, I didn't write this. I believe in it. I believe every word in this. I believe every word of this is true. And I do my best to follow it. But this is not, these aren't my rules. I just, I'm just a messenger. So here's what it says. And I'm not going to change that. So I lean upon God. I blame God all the time. <laughs> I do. And God's big enough for that. Blame it on me. Blame it on me. I, we tell our kids, blame it on us. You know, we tell our kids, look, if you're in a situation where you feel like you're being compromised, then you call us and you say, hey, or you tell your friends, look, hey, my, my parents have an emergency and they want me to come home. And so I, they're gonna come pick me up or I'm gonna leave and blame it on us. We would rather you blame it on us than get caught in that stuff. God's the same way. Blame it on me. It's okay. He's big enough. So beware of the patterns. Let God defend you. Blame it on him. And... Um, the third one is, uh, is be prepared. Be prepared. Make the choice before it happens. Make the choice before it happens. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew, because of the patterns, they knew that something was being built. And they knew that it was against what God's law said. Because commandment number one, thou shalt not have other gods before me. It, I mean, you know, we may not be able to remember all 10, but the first one, yeah, we're remembering that one. And so they're thinking this thing goes against what God's commandment says. And so we've got to make our choice now. So church, make your choice now. Put yourself in a situation. Students, when you go to a friend's house, make the choice not to do certain things, not to watch certain things. Make the choice beforehand, okay? On a date, set your standards. Set your standards. And you, you and your parents talk about that. I'm not, I have time to go through some standards. You know, personally, I think you should not even worry about dating until you're kind of close to the age of getting married is really what makes sense to me. But that's just the pastor talking. So, so you need to make the choice now. Parents, adults, when you're in a situation, when you could be in a situation, and you know they will arise. Man, last time I went on this trip, or last time I went to this person's house, you know, or whatever. Make the choice. You know, I'm, I'm not going to gossip this time. I'm, I'm not going to go there when I go to my friend's house, you know. Or, or whatever the situation is, your situation is unique. 
Whatever your unique situation, make the decision beforehand. Be prepared. So what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You can read the story, but they were thrown in the fiery furnace. There were three of them. Nebuchadnezzar saw four. He's like, holy cow. Who is this other person? He looks like a, a son of man. That's amazing. Some people, some biblical scholars think that, you know, he was talking about actual, you know, Jesus came, you know, into that or, or just an angel, whatever it is. It doesn't matter because there were four people. And Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, come out, of, come out of there. And what it caused is it caused Nebuchadnezzar to believe on God. To believe, it's like, okay, I've never seen that before. Your God is a bad dude. Your God is amazing. I mean, he didn't say that, but you get the idea. And so God delivered them. And I love this. Listen to this this sentence. It says, for no other God can save in this way. No other God can save in this way. It wasn't the three friends or Daniel who said that. It was King Nebuchadnezzar. No other God can save in this way. My encouragement to you is when you, you're placed in a situation, just don't take second opportunities. Don't, don't go there. The first one will catch you by surprise. It always does. But the second time, refuse it. And then look for those things that happen and then be prepared for, uh, with your answer and with your action. And know this, that through it all, people in your life, those people in your life who are trying to bring you down, just like Nebuchadnezzar, the hope is that they'll realize no other God can do this. No other being, no other God can live in a person's life and make them as strong as they are. I want what you have. I've heard stories multiple times. That's how people come to Christ many times. They try to tempt a believer and they're like, man, it's just not happening. Nothing's sticking to them. What is wrong with them? Man, they're just not, they got something different. I want what they have. That's what King Nebuchadnezzar did. No other God can save in this way. And I'm gonna tell you this, nobody can save like Jesus. Nobody can save like Jesus. So let me tell you something. If you're in, in your area in your life and you're like, man, Frank, I, I need Jesus. I need, I need someone to save me for myself. You can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. Nobody can save like Jesus can. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Frank, I need a savior. In just a moment, we're gonna bow heads and I'm gonna give you the opportunity to say that prayer. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity. If you're sitting here today and say, Frank, I'm just, um, I, I, I'm stuck in 
bowing to things I should not be bowing to. If that is you, we're going to take an opportunity right here for you to confess that and ask God to give you strength to move away from that. Every head bow, every eye closed, if you would. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to listen and open up your word. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit moves in this place. Speak to every heart. If there's anyone here today, you're like, you know, Frank, I'm just, I'm just caught in bowing down to things in my life, and I know i got to stop. You, you don't need to raise your hand. I mean, probably all of us have something like that. If that is you, whatever that is, just confess that to the Lord right now. Just confess that to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for bowing down to that. Help me. Help me, Lord Jesus. I confess that to you. And if you're sitting here today and if you've never accepted Christ as Savior and you need Jesus, you just simply say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you came for my sin. I believe you died on the cross and you were raised in three days. I believe you're God's son and I ask you to forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life because I want to bow my life to you. Father, if there's anyone here today, Lord, who has prayed that prayer, I pray, Father, that that seed would be planted in them, Lord, and that they would grow, you would grow that. You'd surround them. Obviously, we're as a church, we're surrounding them, but surrounding them with other people in their life that can help them with that. Lord, help us all, Lord, to focus in on what you have for us and not the idols in our life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.